0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson out in San Francisco. He's Andre Fernandez, also on the road, but in just a different part of Miami. How are you, Dre? Pretty good.
1: Uh, good night out here. Uh, stop to go Starbucks, do this with you, and you know, yeah. I mean, interesting series to start the year. We knew it was going to be a little, you know, a little bit of a tough challenge. You know, a lot of new pieces. You know, an opponent that you know won. You know, made a big statement last year. Was the surprise team last year really winning 107 games and upending the Dodgers at least in the regular season for the division title? So you know, all in all, you know, one and two. The record's not good. They're not going to be happy with the record. But some interesting tidbits, both pros and cons, to come out of this early series. And again, way too early for three games. But you know, we can dive in a little bit. Take it, we got some early observations. How about that?
0: Yeah, we definitely have some early observations. Marlins started their season out at Oracle Park in San Francisco, three games against the Giants, lost game one six to five in ten innings in walk-off fashion, won game two, two to one, then lost game three. Tonight we're recording this on Sunday night just for those out there for whenever this does end up publishing. Uh, They lost three to two on Sunday. Three games, again, all one-run games, all games where the Marlins had their chances to – Go three and zero had a chance to go zero three depending on how things shook out. They went one and two, and a few of the quick observations from my end from watching this up close over these last three days. Uh, outside of the one the record, the one win and two losses, uh, two for twenty two. Marlins went two for twenty two with runners in scoring position. You're not going to win a lot of games doing that, regardless of how good your pitching staff is. Uh, Again, the that's the main one. Three they went zero for seven on Sunday on the day where they had their most hits. They had eleven hits on Sunday. Uh, Jorge Soler finally broke out. Guys, first three hits as a Marlin after going zero for seven the first two games with a couple walks sprinkled in there. Uh, the bullpen saw some shakiness. Game one, Richard Blyer gives up a home run in the eighth. Anthony Bender gives up the game tying home run in the ninth. Uh, Anthony Bass gives up the game deciding hit in the tenth and then sort of locked itself down over games two and games three. Game two, Blyer gets redemption after giving up a home run to Brandon Belt, strikes him out as part of a 1-2-3 inning. Anthony Bender rebounds and gets the save in the ninth. Steven Oakert, of all people, four batters, four strikeouts. He's not that type of guy. He shows a pretty good showing in his return to San Francisco. Saw a little bit of everybody out there. But, again, it's small sample size. Let's see how things actually progress down the road. And then the one other thing that we're going to talk into a lot, the Marlins did go very matchup heavy. They went, they faced two righties and a lefty in terms of pitchers. And two games against right-handed pitchers, they went with all three of their lefties. And the one game where they faced a lefty, when they faced Carlos Rodon on Saturday, Jesus Sanchez was the only lefty in there. And we'll touch base on a few thing, implications from that. That been off the field in a
1: little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really like being like, and you know, I know you don't either, making too many like major conclusions off of even April. I mean, I forgot about three games, but of even course. April, you know, or even four games after this will be listened to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you saw a lot of a lot of up and down I mean, I'm doing the wave motion right in my hand right now. I see. I think you see you see a lot of that right now, early in the season. But you saw a lot of that in particular with. Uh, you know, with everybody, with everybody that you just mentioned. Really, I mean, I think Soler in particular was interesting because he, got, he starts off over 7 like that, he's striking out, but he could show you how streaky he can be too and how productive he can be in spurts like that. I mean, he comes in and reaches base six times at the moment. Here's a guy who you're going to count on to be productive in that line, but you want to see a little more consistency out of it. But then again, it's early. The base, the sport, runners in scoring position, point that you made it's been an ongoing problem for years with this lineup. and again you don't want to put too much on it because a it's the giants b it's three games even giants and or whatever happens against the angels in the first game that you know people will have known by then but even then four games is too small but at the same time if this continues we'll put it in these terms if this continues to drag if it continues to be an issue it's going to keep them from any possible jump this year that you want to see out of this lineup. That's what you regret you seeing because you brought in more consistent, good contact type players because of it. You know, and another guy who I don't think had a very good overall series was Joey Wendell and you do expect a lot more from him. You know, I mean, three for seven—that's okay—but he made those two errors on Friday. That was uncharacteristic of him. You know, so that's going to be something to, you know, to watch. I don't think I think it's a blip early on. We'll see. I think it'll probably be all right, but again, something to kind of keep an eye on as it goes. Garcia again. I mean, Gar- Garcia is an interesting one too because, I mean, he had that monster year when it came to power, and he's had other years where he's really been where, where he's really kind of disappointed from what expectations are. So, which Garcia did the Marlins get? You know what I mean? So let's see. Is two for t- two for thirteen, just a you know, just again, just a blip right now, and he get it he gets it going, or you know, what kind of a season is he going to have?
0: Yeah, definitely. And then you touched on those three, and then Jacob Stallings showed a little bit of pop. Game one, he got two hits, had a home run, drove in three runs in that game, and I like what I saw from him behind the plate the first two games. Again, it's two games and whatnot, but watching what he did game one when Sandy Alcantara was not in peak Sandy Alcantara form. And in the first inning, Sandy gives up back-to-back two out walks, looks like there's a chance that things could potentially unravel early, and he get makes the pickoff at second base after to be able to get Sandy out of that inning, St- gets another runner, catch another runner ceiling to end the fifth before Sandy ends up exiting. You see a little bit of the gold-glove caliber stuff behind the plate that the Marlins were hoping to get from him. And then you see what he does with Pablo, where Pablo has five innings and he only gave up one run, able to play with Pablo's fastball, where his elevated fastball, which hasn't really been Pablo Lopez's strength, and he was able to get Pablo Lopez to maximize on that pitch to go with his changeup, which when the changeup's on, that's Pablo's going to have a good day, but if he has the fastball, he's able to go with it, and to be able to complement the two, that's, that's going to help them with the rotation even more. And and then game three, we had Peyton Henry behind the plate. Trevor Rogers had a pretty good start as well. Uh, second inning, the Giants really started attacking him early. His fastball, I think says Elve's fastball was struggling a bit, So, and the Giants took advantage with some quick contact. But other than that one inning, you got pretty good start from Trevor, pretty good start from Pablo, and then you need to hope that Sandy's Sandy's first outing was just a blip on the radar. So you're going to need those three, especially at the top of the rotation, to continue to <laughs> – Give some quality stuff, especially even with the the new guys in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean, you he's wasn't in peak form. I mean, it wasn't just not in peak form. Like it was not very good for a little while there, not at all. Like, and it's a, and that's a testament to how much he's come. Where the standard for him is much higher than than it used to be uh, that we hold him to, and he should be after what he's done. But yeah, I mean, I think with Stallings, it's what we're talking about, right? I mean, the defense was much better than what what it's been in the past with that position in the recent past. And that and that's where they were hoping to get something like that. But very importantly, all those things you talked about, managing the staff, you know, helping pitchers through those tough spots. That's already the glimpses you're seeing of what they were hoping to get. And that's that was great to see, especially because going back to how these were three one-run games, it's April, but you want to learn how to be that team that can win at a high level, that can be that competitive team against the best of the best. A good little taste right off the bat to have those games. They didn't all go your way, but at the same time, you've got the experience of. I mean, that first game, the back and forth going in extra innings, that was great. And and honestly, and, I, and maybe it's going to sound like a little optimistic, but I feel like that's a game. That in the last couple of years, you don't always see them even make even put it in the position it was in to get into extra innings. I know the blown save was obviously bad to see, and you know you don't want you don't again the bullpen right now is an issue, but overall as a team, to see that come back and to at least force the issue and get it into an extra inning dogfight like that, that's something that's encouraging on that side of it now. The not encouraging part is the blown save, okay, later, obviously. But again, these are things, little things, again, that roller coaster we were talking about, good and bad early on, that let's see how it kind of evens out once they get, into, you know, week, two, three, four weeks into the season. And remember, we didn't say this at the beginning, But, again, these are byproducts of that short run-up to the season, too, in a lot of ways. You're going to see a lot of guys that are going to be off, you know, struggle a bit. We've already seen a couple injuries. Things like this, we expected were going to happen in this abbreviated rush-up to the season.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned injury. Uh, Just a quick update. Garrett Cooper on Sunday in the fourth inning got hit by a pitch, left wrist contusion, both x-rays were negative. Uh, Marlins manager Don Magley and Garrett Cooper himself both say, if anything, he'll miss a start, maybe two. They don't expect it to be major, which for a guy like Garrett Cooper, as we've seen since he got here in 2018, injuries seem to be a very common, steady theme for him. His exact quote that he gave us when we asked him about it was, uh, let me just make sure I'm not completely butchering his quote, Luck's been a little on the bad side during my career here, which... I feel like can be an understatement one of the many understatements I that mean, the
1: it's one of those things like what's what's he gonna say <laughs> it's obviously been frustrating for him I mean, in this case it, and these are the frustrating ones too when he gets hit by a pitch and it's not really something you know he didn't pull something or he didn't overexert some you know what I mean like it's just these on top of the ones he's had then the freakish ones happen happen a little bit you know and then that's that's but Again, by knowing that we don't know what happened as we record this, we will We the, the listeners will know, but we obviously we're doing it ahead of time. I'd be surprised if he's back right away, though. I mean, I know they're saying it's not serious, but again, something like this, especially early in the year, in a situation like we are right now, they're maybe being a little more cautious than normal, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying it's for sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's out for at least a couple games, maybe to kind of do a precautionary type thing, given his history yeah. too.
0: Of course, yeah. And, again, this isn't the first time that hit-by-pitch wrist injuries happened. It was on the other wrist back in, I think it was 2018, when he had the two hits to his right wrist that he ended up having to have surgery on. So it's, yeah. it's been something that has happened before. But, again, especially this early in the year, take the precaution. You have Jesus Aguilar who can play first base. You can always move. Obviously, Garcia or Jorge Soler into a DH day and play Brian Day with Cruz out there. That's the beauty of this lineup right now. They actually – have options where it's not just one guy has to come out and you're figuring, you're trying to figure out what am I going to do with figuring out the rest of the pieces right. as they move well, forward.
1: Well, and that's the whole thing. I mean, that's why you had this type of approach, right? I mean, that now you have, now your depth gets tested and, and we knew it was going to happen early in the season, especially, you know, everything, the way it was, the way the format is this year, you know, with everything happening so quickly, but but yeah, and I read, I saw some of the Giants fans, I guess, weren't too happy because he was he kind of frustrated, you know, slammed the bat, that sort of thing. Clearly, the Giants fans don't remember or don't or didn't realize the long list of injuries he's had to deal with throughout his career. So, perfectly understandable in that sense of why, you know, why he'd react on it.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And to uh, wrap up this first section, you have a little bit more of a discussion type piece with. Uh, Marlins, how they're constructing their lineups, and uh, with Jazz Chisholm Jr. specifically. Uh, Saturday, when the Marlins were facing, again, faced a left-handed starting pitcher in Carlos Rodon, uh, Marlins manager Don Mattingly went with a lineup that was righty-heavy, which he has said throughout spring training and even leaked to the leap of the season that he was going to be doing that, playing the matchups and whatnot. He's told all the players beforehand, don't basically players aren't going to be expected to be playing 162 games because they have the pieces to do matchups and whatnot. Uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr. was not in the starting lineup. And once the lineup came out, a bunch of people on Twitter who are Marlins fans want to see Jazz in every day expressed their their displeasure in the fact that Jazz wasn't playing. And he retweeted a few of those those tweets showing some of his frustration internally. His internal tr- frustration he was showing out externally. Those retweets got deleted afterwards, but it just showed when it just showed a sense of where things are, and still, the Marlins having to figure out between Don Madden had to find the balance between making sure the players understand and and that the players also keep the understanding of the balance between them wanting to play every day and also them understanding the team's goal of. Finding what they can to put the best lineup out. Uh, Don Mattingly mentioned postgame Saturday that he doesn't expect his players to be happy when they're out. He talked with a couple of players before, and they're like, "Yeah, I want to play every day." But they have the certain the setup that they want to do. Uh, we talked with Jazz Chisholm Jr. or myself and MLB.com's Christina Nicola. Got to talk with Jazz pregame Sunday. He explained what went on when he was retweeting everything and then unretweeting everything. And just how he's trying to internalize all of the any frustrations that he may have when he's not starting, even when he knows he's not starting and finding the balance between how he expresses it and what he does as he tries to find again, find that line between wanting to be that guy who's out there every game and also being and doing what the team wants him to do. So we're going to play the three minutes or so of audio from jazz pregame today just to clear stuff with yesterday pregame with social media the retweets and all that just uh, when you were in the lineup saw so you retweeted a few things obviously got to read, but just everything, everything cool?
2: Yeah everything's good I mean like Donnie knows that I'm a guy that wants to be out there every day and wants to win you know like he knows I'm a guy that wants to help the team win and I want to be the one out there to make like if at anything everybody knows that I'm a lover of baseball and that's all I love to do is play baseball and if I'm not out there trying to help my team win, I'm mad anyway, even if it's, it is my off day. You know what I mean? So Donnie knows me personally, and I feel like he understands that. Uh, me personally, as a as a kid that really loves baseball and loves playing and always wants to be on the field to help my team win at any cost, he, he knows that I have very keen emotions to that type of stuff. And, like, just with me and him, like, he just knows that I'm – a that kid that just loves to play, you know, like and he knows I wear my emotions on my sleeve all the time. Like you can't walk past me and tell me if I'm. You can't say okay today Jazz is happy, but he looks upset. Mm-hmm. That's never a case. If Jazz looks upset, he's upset. If he looks happy, he's happy. So everybody knows that, and that's just they know that that's the type of guy I am. So you know me, like me and Donnie have probably talked about it already, but. He knows me, I just love playing baseball, and I just want to help the team win at any cost. Like, that's just me.
0: You know what I mean?
2: Like, I want to be out there just, like, on any given day that Miggy wants to be out there and help the team win. You know what I mean? Like, everybody always wants to be out there, so that's just the guy I am. Yeah, that's what he said last, uh, night. Okay, yeah, last okay. night. Yeah, Last <laughs> like, with the last night. Um, just the, with the social media, is it? This
0: happens, like, not happens again. But like, will
2: you not go to social media? Like, if you know, the next time, did you get it out of your system? Yeah, I got it out of my system. You know, it's small things. You know, stuff you learn from every time. You know, so
0: that was just it. Be it for me. It's one thing learning the balance of yes, you have the emotion, but also maybe internalizing instead yeah. of just just controlling it. There, really,
2: yeah. that's all it is, controlling it. Like I said, I was, I'm a kid that wears my emotions on my sleeve, even if I feel like even if. Uh, I didn't do the retweeting. Someone would have seen it, and it would have been on social media anyway. You know, like I said, I wear my emotions on my sleeve that I really have to work on. That's what, the same thing with umpires. Like, when I get upset with umpires, you know, I wear it on my sleeve. So that's something I really do have to work on. So.
0: All right, and that was Jazz Chisholm Jr., pregame Sunday. Uh, Trey, just your thoughts on what happened over the, that 24-hour period?
1: I mean, look. I think you 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 hit it on the head when you said it's it's kind of walking the fine line of in terms of. Here's the thing: like fans are always going to react a certain way because they're not on the inside, and and not only not on the inside, but I think for any player like Jazz, Jazz is a fun player to watch, and on this team, this franchise, that's been dying to have players like that. In that sense, players that are not only fun to watch, but are good. Of course they're going to react that way. And that's that's fine. That's to be expected. You know, not all of them are going to understand the ins and outs, some do, some don't, of why this is happening, why a certain day you're strategically doing it, whether it's right or wrong decision. But when it comes to the player and the manager, I think it's one of those things where, again, it's early on, but to me it's something to monitor just because you want to see how that, how that works out in the clubhouse throughout the season. Was it just now? I don't know because again he's a very outgoing player and it's a good thing and i like his personality i love the way i love the style which he plays and i think the marlins do obviously too don mattingly those two but don mattingly's old school too he's all about the hard work he's all about the showing up he's all mr even keel so as much as he might laugh about this about that and i'm sure he loves jazz but it's not but as long as it's not a problem and it's not a clash internally, then there, then you can manage this. It'll be fine. Whatever. Nowadays, players are very vocal. They'll they'll express on social media. They'll do more than the jazz did because jazz just retweeted a few guys. They'll go out and actually say something. They'll put their own words into it. Whatever positive negative effect it has, it happens. But it, again, there's something from talking to him in the past and you've talked to him obviously now more because he's been covering the team in recent years, but I, it's not so, I've seen other players that are more, I know you can't swear on the show, but they're more like, I don't give a, you know what, and I'm going to be me and all that. Like, I don't get that much. I, I get the, it's just confidence and he's, and he's sure of himself and he's expressive, but there's other guys that take it far to the point where it's very damaging to a team. I don't sense that from him, at least so, at least so far in his career. And I hope it stays that way. I feel like it's more of a just I'm being myself type of thing. I, maybe I'm rambling, and maybe it's not making sense. But I, I, I hope people understand what I'm trying to say. That it's not. I don't get that sense where it would where he's purposely trying to make it a distraction. In other words, but it can be, and as long as it's not something internally that is, I think they'll be fine. I think this is something they can manage. And then it goes back to the thing we talked about with Joey. Wendell talked about with me in spring training about the buy-in. By nature, this is the the way this is going to be with this team with a lot of players. It's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. It's going to be a lot of guys going in and out of the lineup one day yes, one day no. The one issue I might have with it a little bit is just the placement he's had in the lineup. I feel like, but again, it seems to be an analytics decision, like you said, where they want to put more of the power hitters up top. A bat like his, you hope it flips the lineup at the bottom. Okay. It's still too early to tell if that's going to be a good long-term strategy or if maybe he's better off being at the top. I think maybe he would be. I'd I'd love to see him be more of a table setter, more of a guy with his power too that can put the team on the board early and score runs early. But again, we'll see. We'll see how that ends up. And I I think the biggest takeaway from everything, again, I think I already got too long-winded on this, but the biggest biggest takeaway to me is as long as it's not a a consistent clash behind the scenes or something where it becomes a distraction and then it becomes an issue. If not, again, like Mattingly said, you want to have your player – dying will be in there every day but there has to be at least an understanding as well that if they're going to go with this strategy then you know what fans like it or not that's the way it's going to be
0: yeah i agree with you on that and uh to go off of the construction and the way that they're going about this when i talked with miguel rojas uh, in spring after uh the solaire signing and specifically about guys understanding the fact that they'll won't probably most women won't be playing a full 162. And his line that he gave me was everyone really just needs to check their egos. Yes. Everyone wants to play 162. Miggy wants to play 162. He's on, But they also understand that if it gets to the point where everyone's playing 115 to 120 and they have a chance to compete in the playoffs, or you're playing 162 and you're getting your stats, but you're going to be on a, you're going to be on a team that's in the bottom of the, t- bottom of the standings, which would you prefer? And right. it's, with the way the Marlins are constructed, they're hoping that they have the pieces and they have the organizational or the depth to do similar to what the Dodgers do, the Rays do. Even the Giants, the team they just played, is a team that does a lot of the mixing and matching. They're hoping to start building teams that are similar to that those groups and showing what can happen when you're able to keep everyone fresh and not play everybody just because you know that if you have a guy out the line, you're going to see a massive drop off. And with Jazz specifically, if he ends up playing well and showing the strides that he wants to make and Don Madden wants to make, he yeah. will potentially, he'll end up forcing the issue of whether or not he gets into a game against when it's a lefty starter. Again, there's a matter of, yeah. So again, it's early. It was three games in so far. They've faced another lefty on Tuesday. There is there is time for him to be able to show that if he gets the consistency in there, he could potentially force the issue there
1: while it's a fraction of the sample size, you saw, I mean, one of the themes, let's just talk about his baseball play. You saw the glimpse of the hitter that he wants to be this season. Remember how he talked about not getting frustrated, not taking the bats off. Yeah. You saw a lot more of the better, of the improvements that he's made or the adjustments that he's made. And now, now it's just a matter of, let's see if it's sustainable, if he can keep that going throughout the season. Obviously it's way too early, but it was good to see that those little bits and look at what a difference make what a difference maker he was that first that first game, especially, you know, yeah. hitting that home run. And, I mean, it just shows you the potential. And that's the whole thing. You, here's a guy, and I've said it a bunch of times you have to, he's, he is face of the franchise caliber if he lives up to be that kind of guy. And that's the whole thing. I mean, he's marketable with the way which Lord knows baseball needs a lot of faces, a lot of fun players, and he could be one of them. But again, if it's in, if it's within the realm of him being able to be himself, but not having that clash, I guess, where it doesn't jive with what the team is trying to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. And on that note, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, do a little bit more preview of what the second half of the road trip has to offer, what the Marlins are planning on doing when they get home for their home opener on Thursday, and do a very brief minor league update. We're not going to go too in-depth this week because it's one week. Most of the affiliates outside Jacksonville only had three games. So it's really not too much to dive into yet on the minor league side, but we'll still touch on it a little bit. So we will be right back.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: All right, we're back, everyone. So three games are done at the time of this recording. Uh, The Marlins have two more games left on this road trip, both in the beautiful city of Anaheim, where they will be facing the Los Angeles Angels. Where they have a couple guys named Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani, you may or may not have heard of them. Uh, but, <laughs> but on a serious note, this is the first time I'm going to get to see Shohei Ohtani in person. Unfortunately, I'm not going. We're not going to get to see him doing the two way two way thing this time around. He's not in. He's not lined up to start here. But still excited to see see this guy in person, especially after the breakout MVP year that he had last season.
1: Oh, no, I mean, a special, a special player to, to see. He's a phenom right now. And you're not watching baseball if you don't know who he is. I mean, honestly, that's the, that's the, that's the cause honest it. his truth. If you haven't been watching baseball the last few years, then, yeah. but that gets into a whole other discussion about why it's important for baseball to get into the stream of consciousness across the mainstream, not just baseball fans, but not just, and even, you know, Tani and also Trout too. Trout never gets old to watch Mike Trout. I mean, yeah, generational type player. So I mean, this is a good, again, it, it's another very good test to follow up the one from the beginning that against the Giants. You know what I mean? To have the, to have those two back to back like that is a good solid road test. But then you come home, and then you know, not looking way ahead, but even though at home started to jump a little bit into the division schedule, this is a good way to kind of ramp things up early on after a short spring training.
0: Yeah, definitely. And to look at. A little bit, we won't be podcasting again until after the home opener happens. Uh Marlins are going to be facing the Philadelphia Phillies for the first four games. And then it's the Cardinals, the second series, if I remember correctly of that home stand. Yeah. Yeah. And Which the Cardinals,
1: um, Yeah, you're, you're still, that's another, you know, another playoff team. So again, big, big caliber competition right right away.
0: Yeah. So again, we're, Gonna get to see a lot of good lineups early on. Seeing how yep. pitching staff gets to keep going with this. A uh, couple things I want to know. Uh, got to talk with uh, Marlins uh, Chief Operating Officer Caroline O'Connor. She's the uh, head on the business side. Just about some of the new things that are going to be happening at the ballpark. The main thing I'm really excited about to see. They start. They add new LED lights that they have a different color coding that they're able to use with light shows that are going to be going on. They're currently going to do one after the home opener and. Find ways to weave them in during the game, uh, have some new food options, including finally having a Capito place at Auto Nation Alley, which basically means all these night games I will be sneaking out of the press box in the fifth or sixth inning to go over and get some cute get some Cuban coffee. And gotta uh, refuel. oh, definitely, especially get that coffee, get ready to go right on deadline. Uh and yeah, so Again, they have some new things going on at the ballpark. Uh, we'll have a full recap of what to expect if you go to the ballpark online at some point during the week. And one other thing, and again, this is also going to be, for the most part, fans who didn't go to spring training, it's their first real exposure to the new guys because, again, obviously, Al Garcia signed, Jacob Stallings signed, Joey Wendell got traded acquired, and then the lockout happened. The Marlins couldn't really market them during the four months in between spring training, sorry, they couldn't do a fan fest. They couldn't have all their major league players at the holiday events that they normally do during the off season. So this is going to be for a lot of Marlins fans getting to see all these people in person for the first time is going to be on Thursday.
1: Yeah, a whole, a whole lot of, Oh, that's that guy happening in the stands this Thursday and this, one, this entire weekend. But yeah, unfortunate. I mean, fan fest is always a good way for people to get to know. I mean, uh, over the years, you know, a lot of people I know, a lot of friends of mine have gone and been able to kind of get familiar with the team, you know, see the faces kind of Then you're more familiar with. And, and they do a good job with that and, and, and kind of like the interaction with the people too. Not just, hey, come in, sign a ball. But no, the interaction with that has been too. So it was a shame they couldn't do that this year. But, yeah, it should be interesting. And, again, I think that even the, just going back to the, the baseball standpoint, you know, the Phillies a team, I mean, well, big storyline right off the top. The big free agent that did not the, – the signing that did not happen down here, right away, your first home game, Nick Castellanos will be in Miami, but not the way – not the way Marlins fans would have wanted, wearing the other team's jersey. So you're going to have that series. Obviously, JT Real Muto always – you know, that's always uh, interesting to see him back back behind the plate in that stadium. And then after that, like we were mentioning before uh, with the Cardinals – I mean, we saw them. They took two out of three with the Pirates, but you saw what that lineup can do with Arenado, Molina still there. You know, they added some pieces in the outfield. I mean, it's it's an interesting early slate that they're going to have to do well. And we saw Don Mattingly not. You know, again, he comes out and I mean, not the first time he said that, but he doesn't want to keep settling for moral victories, and that's the right attitude to take. But I mean they're gonna ha- they're really gonna to have to do that if they want to stay afloat early on in, in the season because that, that early slate is gonna to be tough, you know, especially when you're dealing with all the factors you talked about before of kind of getting acclimated into the season. Long season, but again, you don't want to kind of bury yourself early. And with this kind of, with the lineups that they're gonna face, they have to they have to put up.
0: Yeah, definitely. And to quickly wrap up the show, some a few minor league updates, most of it's gonna be on the pitching side. Uh, to start with the big news, it, it, the, the big news to start off with is with someone whos who didn't take the mound. Edward Cabrera, the Marlins, put him on the minor league IL on Sunday with right bicep fatigue. Uh, talk, got to catch up with general manager Kim Ang on Sunday shortly after he got put on the IL. They said that he was shut down for a couple of days. He's expected to start throwing again tomorrow, and they're expecting the, the time that he's on the IL to be short. But even with that, as we've talked about a few times before with Edward Cabrera, he's had these this already this history of injuries. He had the bicep thing last year in spring training. He's had some other things before it, and it's just between him and Sixto Sanchez still, I think, two weeks away from picking up a baseball. That's two of your top four pitching prospects who are sidelined before things even start up.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sixto is a different level of concern, I think, I mean overall right now I mean you worry you 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 sit there if you're a Marlins fan and you hope that there's still a future there with all the injuries with the serious injuries he's had but with Edward yeah it's just it's like a tease it's like right there it's like right there and then something keeps coming up that kind of keeps delaying him from taking that next next step and you hope again that this is just a minor issue and it sounds like it is so you just hope he goes through the progression that he needs to go through for the next week or so, and then finally take that step because you want to see this guy in the rotation sooner than later. You know, I mean, you have to see him in the rotation sooner than later. Yeah. He's one of your, he's one of your best potential arms with with the kind of velo, the change, everything that he can throw out there. It's going to be an exciting guy to have on the mound if he's healthy, and just that one more contributor, one more guy that can give you a quality start, which they're going to need. So, I mean, hopefully sooner, you know, again, hopefully sooner than later, he finally gets in there and starts contributing.
0: Yeah, and to go from the two top pitchers who aren't on the mound to the two who did, uh, start off with Max Meyer up in A, four innings, two hits allowed, two earned runs, five Ks over four innings. And Yuri Perez, 18 year, eighteen going on 19, started up in Double A, four in the third innings, three hits, three earned runs. Two of those runs were... Uh, given up after he left the mound, he lad, left two guys on when he got taken on the fifth. Will Stewart then came in and allowed both and Harry to run the, runners to score. 5Ks over four and a third for, again, a guy who's not even 19 up in the upper minors. Uh, obviously, room to improve for both. But again, one start. Again, that's why we're just going really quickly through these guys. Nothing, again, want to see some more, want to get some more, a larger sample size before we really start evaluating everyone. And then the last guy I want quickly pull up his stats uh Khalil Watson had from what I saw a pretty good first week up in Jupiter I'm getting his stats now hold on he went four for ten with two home runs two doubles five RBI and four runs scored in Jupiter and considering the ballpark at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium to get two home runs there that's that's pretty impressive yeah that's
1: pretty good yeah that's pretty good that's that's yeah within the within the frame of what it is that's still pretty good, though. But you, when you, you need to have some pretty good power to get to to, to really lift the ball there, and really get a hold of one. And but on, going back to Yuri Perez, I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see how fast he he makes his way up. You know, because you don't often see this franchise produce guys that'll make their debut at at 20, let's say. And I'm not saying I'm saying hypothetically. If you were, if this is that type of player, that'd be exciting. That'd be something, you know, I mean, I ever since Jose Fernandez, I don't remember that, not too many, maybe that, I mean, he was rushed up too, but a guy who could naturally just come up, you don't see that, you haven't seen that with this team, you know, like a Juan Soto or someone that's debuting, or Acuna that's debuting at 20 years old, whether you're a pitcher or a position player, so. I mean, it'll come down to the secondary stuff and how it plays at each level, I think. I mean, the, the, the Velo's there. He's fun to watch, the you know the delivery, all of that. But it's, it's can those secondary pitches become better and better and sharper. And if he can add to that arsenal and really have three good ones at least, then we'll see if he can make that jump for the resume. I mean, I, I hope they don't rush him. I'm not saying, hey, let's rush him up just for, for the hell of it, for, 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 for kicks. But I'm saying, if naturally he is that good, and, and the hype is real for him to get that, that would be that would be a big step and a big win for, for the team.
0: No doubt about it. And again, we're going to track Yuri, we're going to track Mac, we're going to track Khalil. we're going to track a lot of the prospects as the season goes on. And but for now, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we will be back again next week where we'll be able to talk a little more about what happened in the angel series and in the first half of the Marlins homestand. So thanks so much everyone. And we'll be back again next week.